And we are live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast Background Zero, your home of the apocalypse, for episode 55, Entertainment in the Apocalypse. I am Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace. He is Adam Bonglancy. And special guest uh, host tonight is Michael O. Vorhola from uh, Skirmisher Publishing and D-Infinity Live magazine and podcast. That's right. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. We're going to need some sort of post-apocalyptic name for Mike. He's been on the show so much. What do you think about the uh, Varholinator, maybe? I don't know. Um, it sounds a little, maybe almost off-color, but maybe that's what I want to go for. Varholinator? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. How about... I can't keep a straight face when I say it. I can't expect other people to keep a straight face. Um, that's not very post-apocalyptic. Uh, scavenger Mike, you know... Uh, I can go with that. Scavenger Mike, yeah, Scavenger okay. Mike. Uh, back Michael, when I, back when the Scavenger. Uh, back when I was a kid and I was exploring uh, old Nazi tunnels uh, under the base I lived at in Germany, I went by Tunnel Runner. So that might work with a post-apocalyptic thing. Yeah, isn't that a young adult novel series already? No, wait, that was... I don't know. That was a Maze Runner or something. <laughs> It's a maze runner. All right, not a tunnel runner. So, yeah, you are a diminutive fellow, but of the three of us, Mike, you're the guy who gets to go in the Viet Cong tunnel. Oh, yeah, you're, 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 you're the you're tunnel too. rat. That's it. Yeah. Wait, Mike, yeah, uh, no, Jared and I are not going in the tunnel. You're going in the tunnel. Here's your 45 and a hand grenade. Good luck, soldier. No, it's true. Even a few years ago when I was in Paris and I was exploring the Paris catacombs with a friend of mine, that was our motto, the little guy leads with a knife. So I was crawling along through the Paris catacombs with my boot knife uh, because, uh, you know, if I couldn't get through it, he sure as hell wasn't going to be uh, getting through it. So, nope, that is my fate. <laughs> All right, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put you to work on the snow piercer, cleaning the inside of the engine like that. Those, <laughs> little, those little toddlers. All right, but uh, enough of that. Enough of my... <laughs> All right, folks, so tonight we're going to talk about entertainment in the apocalypse because when the power's out and civilization has collapsed, what are you going to do to keep entertained? Because there's no more Xbox, there's no more Hulu, there's no more Netflix, so you got to entertain yourself. There's, but, there's, there's no more us. We're going to be, you know, you won't be able to tune in to podcast at Ground Zero, so you're You're, you're, you're going to be living it. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we had, really, we had talked about previously... Music a little bit, uh, along with uh, the Apocalypse Rock uh, folks. Uh, we didn't cover too much, though. I figured, okay, you know what? We didn't really ever go over kind of entertainment, you know, so some music and other things you need to do to keep yourself busy because you know, you know, you're going to be, you know, maybe eating. You're lucky if you're going to sleep, but you're going to be busting your ass whether it's scrounging, farming this or that. But every once in a while. You you gotta get entertained. You need some kind of distraction. So uh, we're gonna talk about that uh, for this show. Just a couple quick things uh, to share. I showed uh, Scott. Um, I did not know. I just recently discovered because I was uh, I'm re um, reading uh, Lucifer's Hammer. I've uh, come I've come back to it. Uh, in I believe it was 1993. They started, Innovation Comics started doing a comic adaptation of Lucifer's Hammer. Now, I think there were supposed to be six issues of it, and uh, I haven't taken them out of the bag yet, folks. I mean, I just got them in, but you can see that there are two comic books here, Lucifer's Hammer's comic book, and that's all there is, is just two. So I guess they must have done two, and either the 
it was one of these little tiny comic book companies that formed like in the 90s. So it either failed or they stopped producing it. So there's only there's only two issues. So I'm only going to get a partial apocalypse out of this, but I'll uh, I'll, I'll read those and we'll talk about them when because uh, a future show I want to do we're going to do Looser's Hammer. So we're going to talk about one of our favorite novels. So we're going to do yeah. a show covering that. And, and, and why that one completely needs to be done as a miniseries. I mean, I'm sorry, oh, but absolutely. That that one, it, it, there is nothing about that, that 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 about Lucifer's Hammer that won't work for the modern age. Right down to updating the um, orbital platform mm -hmm. with the uh, with the um, uh, International Space Station yep. and having to land in a Soyuz craft. Right. You know, because that's the lifeboat. That's the uh, that is still the lifeboat for getting off of the the International Space Station. Oh, yeah, because I didn't realize, because I read the book originally early 80s, uh, I don't know, 83-ish or something like that, and I haven't uh, come back, to, and I've read it, reread it a couple times in the 80s, and I haven't come back to it in a long time, and I was like, I was, I was reading it, and I'm like, wow, you know, if the shuttle program takes off, I'm like, when the fuck was this written? And I, it was like it was like seventy. It was like came out like it was. It came out, I believe, in seventy seven. So it was written in seventy six before the shuttle program was even launched. I'm like, oh my god! I did, at the time, it didn't connect with me. But coming back to it now, all these decades later, I'm like, holy shit! That was like written in the seventies. You know, pretty sophisticated. Yeah, they were talking about Skylab still, and you know, it's like, oh right. no, Sky, Skylab fell out of the fucking sky. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I imagine it was probably written even before that first glider test of the Enterprise, which was never an orbital shuttle. It was just sort of a, a I guess it was what a, a prototype, just to just to test the airfoil, the just the dynamics of it. Yeah. Yeah, just to check the aerodynamics of trying right. of, of landing that thing. Um, but, but anyway, no, let's stop that. Let's save all that good Luther's uh, <laughs> Hammer conversation. Your A material. Huh? I know. It's like your A material here. I know, so yeah, we're so folks in the near, the very near future, we're gonna do a show uh, covering Looser's Hammer because, as we did like one of our top five books uh, episodes, that we've talked about it many times. It's a, it's just a classic, very solid uh, post-apocalyptic novel. So we're gonna talk about that. So there's a comic book, you know, series that started to come out for that. Also, uh, for those who play Fallout Four, they're starting to come. They're they've announced uh, three of the uh, uh, add-ons, uh, you know, uh, uh, for the game. So, yeah. the first one that's coming out next month is Auto Automotron, which is all about robots. It, like, releases more robots into the game because initially they didn't have, uh, you know, the, um, uh, wow, shit, uh, Scott, what the, no, what was the one with the brain, um, oh, yeah, the, um, literally the, the brain bots, the, um, yeah, I can't remember the fuck. That, I just draw a blank of what they were called. But so it has um, those robots. You could like uh, build uh, companion robots and build them out and customize them. Then there's going to be an expansion which has like more stuff for your settlements. You could set traps and cra capture creatures and That's pit cool. them and pit them against each other in like arenas. Apparently, you know, enter entertainment, folks, and. Um, and then the third one, uh, they haven't announced the fourth yet, is um, Far Harbor, you know, which go takes you to Maine, and apparently it is the largest add-on expansion for like any any game they've done. So, so know, it'll be bigger than it'll be bigger than um, Point Lookout. 
Yeah, apparently it's going to be huge. So if anybody here is listening to this and, and plays the game and they're curious about the uh, getting the uh, expansions, I recommend getting the season pass right now for it because the season pass right now is $30. The four expansions are going to cost $60 if you buy them separately. So you're getting it for half price, but March 1st, it's going up to $50 for the season pass. So if you're listening and you hear this before March 1st and you want to get get it now, save yourself some money. That's well, what here, I mean. Here's my problem. Since I don't have an Xbox, the new Three, Xbox, and, the I Xbox don't have one. The and I don't have the game, I don't believe I can buy the season pass. So as much as I'd love to spend $30 now rather than $60 later, I'm hosed. Well, by the time, by the time you get it, the whole uh, year game of the year edition will be out and we'll have everything in it. So that's kind of what I'm hoping. Well, that's that's what I'm, I'm hoping for. So so that's that, folks. So that's the fall stuff's coming out. And I just wanted to also mention there's they're starting to have some trailers out for the new Abrams movie, uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh yeah. So so from looking at it again, you, you don't really know. Is there a is there an apocalypse going on outside? They kind of allude to that, and apparently, you know, the the um, John Goodman character is like some kind of crazy prepper guy because he's got this shelter and he's got these people, uh, you know, kind of prisoner there. So that's kind of apocalyptic, and there's supposed to be something going on outside. Is it real? Is it not? I don't know. So now is this a tie-in with Cloverfield, or is it just a coincidence? Don't don't know yet. They have not revealed enough information. I have no doubt that if they that when they escape and get outside, they're going to wish they hadn't. No matter no matter which way you cut it, it's going to be worse outside. So that seems like something uh, you know. For instance, they could escape into a Trump. They could escape, get outside, and 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 emerge into a Trump presidency. They, they could. <laughs> hey, he's and, and I've lost half our viewers. Boom! Just like that. <laughs> Well, hey, he's he's running. He wants to run for your party, Scott. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, why did what you mean, what do you mean? What do you mean? so many years, Scott? If you didn't want them to be president, huh? Yeah. What do you mean? Wants to run? He is clearly uh, wiping his cock off on my party as we speak. He's done with it. It's well, pretty terrifying. Well, like Scott has said before. The Republican Party that he signed up for back in high school is not the same Republican Party that we have now. So we'll give him that. Yeah, yeah. If I just had any brains, I'd find. I just move on to. Oh, wait. There's, there's no. Yeah. <laughs> there's no. Yeah. It's it's it's. You're voting for a different color suit, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I'll just I'll just keep praying it's 1965. We'll have to do an episode on politics in the uh, post-apocalyptic uh, world too. So. Get that in and after. What do you call in the the one on uh, Lucy? You gonna call that uh, Hammer Time? I think that's what we ought to call that episode. I mean, <laughs> Hammer Time. You gotta wear baggy pants, and you you gotta do a dance routine. To be guessing. I think. Uh, speaking of entertainment. Segueing us into entertainment here. The, the first thing I I, I want to imagine in the post-apocalyptic entertainment world, that first generation, there's gonna be any number of people who were you know actual famous, internet famous. If you survive the apocalypse, it's probably worth three hots and a cot. You know, if you were, I don't know, uh, obviously you can't be David Bowie anymore, but let's say, you know, there's a horror story. Kanye survives the apocalypse, uh, which is great for him because he's suddenly not $53 million in debt anymore. Right? He's, he, he's the first one gone. No matter, I, <laughs> I, 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 I will find him 
and I and I will make beef jerky out of him. It's so <laughs> funny. I mean, you know, when you said post-apocalyptic uh, entertainment, I thought Kanye West. I just saw him on Saturday Night Live the other night, and and I thought it was a joke at first. I mean, he and his crew were up there, and they just sort of shambled around in circles a little bit. And I'm thinking, is is this like? Grabbing five or six bums and giving him ten dollars each and saying, "Put on a talent show, guys." I mean, <laughs> I, it was just—it was just well, stunning. The, let's go ahead. Like, is this real? Is this a joke? Let's point out that when we do have our post-apocalyptic entertainment, uh, <laughs> the crowds are going to be rougher than the crowds at the Apollo. Yeah, right. There's certain venues that have a reputation for not. Letting you waste their time and money, you know what I mean? Where well, you show up, you better have a fucking show, or well, you know, it won't be tomatoes they're throwing that's if, right. if people are bored. No, they're 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 going to need to change it, you know, from a night at the Apollo to a night in the apocalypse, you know. Yeah, so there you go. They're going to have to change all that. So, all right, folks. So that was all the real, just kind of a little apocalyptic stuff I come across. So we're apparently moving on to entertainment. So, yeah, so. What do we think about when we think about entertainment apocalypse besides, you know, Thunderdome or um, Escape from New York when the when uh, <laughs> Snake, plays, Snake Plissken uh, finds Cabby in the theater watching, uh, you know, the drag show, you know? So, was, it, was he watching? Was he in Radio City Music Hall? Was there, that where he was supposed to be? Was like I believe I believe that's where he's supposed to but, be. Well, you know what? I, I would say I would say uh, two things in response to that. Uh, one. Um, that I think the whole idea of the, the drag show, uh, which is kind of absurd and crazy, I think that's a lot more believable and a lot more likely. It's going to be a lot more prevalent than the omnipresent pit fight that you always see. I mean, you know, okay. why has it always got to be a pit fight? Uh, I think I think that, that the, the case on that is really overstated. And then we don't want to forget that in the post-apocalyptic world, we're dealing with maybe 10% of the pre-apocalyptic population, maybe 1%. You can have a lot more small group and individual entertainment rather than these huge stadium events that you always see uh, because people are just going to be operating in smaller groups. You're not going to get 50,000 people together to watch a massive gladiatorial uh, 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 fight on a on – We're a not filling the Budokan. We're not going to fill the Budokan. This is what I'm saying. So, yeah. so that would be my, my take on those two examples that, that you gave. Oh, no, and, and Mike, you're 100% right that, you know, just whatever because, you know, depending on, you know – the population split, what's around, just people just kind of going on stage, you know, if anything, you know, entertainment, you know, may go back to, you know, maybe a little medieval, a little Punch and Judy type kind of thing. I think so. Or maybe even Wild West saloon type, you know, maybe exactly, a little, you sure. know, can, can girls kind of stuff. Right. Uh, right, right, right. I, I, I think of uh, what stood out, you know, in our fiction. We got Kevin Costner doing, you know, trying to read Shakespeare. Yep. From town to town in uh, in the Postman, yep. um, and we've got um, uh, Christian Bale, and um, I'm forgetting the name of the actor who was in uh, 300, but they're doing Star Wars for the kids in Reign of Fire. You remember that part where they're like one of them's wearing a black cape and a welder's mask and they're like, you know, no, but I am your father. And all the kids who've grown up after the apocalypse are like super surprised. They're like, right. oh, really? He's his father. Oh my god, I forgot. I, until you just talked, I for, totally forgotten about that. Wow. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, kids. He's his father. And the kids are like, no. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Just that's that. I, I can certainly see that far more. That's so much more likely than Mike's pit fight. That you know, I. I what about my pit fight? Well, all right, it's not your. I don't pit think fight. the pit fights are going to be. That's what I'm saying. I don't think the pit fights are going to be that prevalent. I think they're going to be more the exception uh, to the rule. That's the omnipresent thing in you know post-apocalyptic movies, and and I, I really, uh, I mean that that's you know indicative of a brutalized, organized, fascistic society, uh, and so you're going to have some of that. But and is you, that and, going and to be the main thing? And we may have that out of the gate because you it's going right, to be exactly. It's going to be exactly. brutal. You know, it's going to be brutal first. People are going to be fighting for stuff, but maybe as things start to settle down, because well, because I mean, well, I mean, and also, uh, thank you, Daniel Puckett, one of our viewers, Robo Brains. Thank you. Um, but um, what uh, you know, Daniel, Johnny on the spot with a Robo Brain. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we all drawn a blank, and I told you, my brain is like a sieve now. So some things stay, some things don't. But um, Yes, I mean, there's always going to be, like you mentioned Shakespeare, you know, there'll still be books around, people will either read to themselves for entertainment, you know, unless you lose, break your glasses, you know, there was time at last, you know, so I mean, you might, you know, you might have a little, you might have a little bit of that. On the plus side, since he's Burgess Meredith, I, I like to note that even though he broke his glasses, he he did get to sleep with Lieutenant Uhura, so it wasn't all bad being Burgess Meredith. Okay, <laughs> worst things could have happened to a fella in the 1960s. Just there you go. Yeah. So, so besides people entertaining themselves, you're going to have to have these things. Like we said, maybe you know the the pit fight or the play. You know, and like Scott said, you know, with Rain of Fire, like people bringing things back that they remember from television, like you know, reenacting scenes from Three's Company or whatever oh, the that, case. That would be. That would be a nightmare. It's like, oh wait, is this the episode where there's a misunderstanding? Why? Yes, it is. How did you guess? So, um, the idea that they're performing Friends episodes rather than <laughs> rather you know, than I, Hamlet is really depressing. Well, but, but you know what? That that's probably going to happen because because people in general are probably not going to remember Macbeth or Hamlet or, you know, Romeo and Juliet, but they're going to remember their favorite team, Seinfeld, you know, it's like, Star oh, Wars. That's oh I, I mentioned the bisque, you know, you're going to have, you know, um, that yeah, kind of stuff. The idea of them doing Star Wars is the super easy one because it's one of those, you know, giant things that's drawn in such big strokes that the... You don't have to remember all the all that intricate language of Shakespeare or the intricate jokes. I, I wonder if Python will survive. I wonder if people will be doing the parrot sketch post-apocalypse. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, I, I think we think medieval. We think live performances, puppet shows, songs, minstrels, just having access to a musical instrument that's not fucked up and then combining it with a musician that has all his fucking fingers, that's going to be a big achievement, right? You, you know, I, I think one thing that you're going to uh, see, a phenomena, uh, is that it's going to be in, incumbent upon more individuals to be entertaining. So, you know, if you go back 140 years, you know, to uh, the era of the Civil War, uh, the era before the phonograph, uh, more people knew how to play instruments. More people knew how to do things that were entertaining. Uh, and today, 
a lot of people don't don't have that. I mean, there are those of us who are more or less professional storytellers. Those of us who write books or publish or whatever. But most people get entertained. They're looking for a stream of entertainment. They don't actually do. Most people don't do anything that's particularly entertaining. And I would say that the the volume of people who learn to do entertaining things is really going to go. You know, you know, one of the main forms of entertainment, you know, aside from the big spectacles, it's going to be storytelling. Just like in the Middle Ages, just like the medieval period, you said, Scott, when someone travels in from another place, people are going to want to hear the stories of what was on the other side of the mountains. Of well, that's, it's, it's, it's half, it's half news and what, half what was happening. Storytelling, uh, even for just your normal traveler adventure, is going to become a much bigger deal. Well, it might be worth a hot meal. You yeah, might, it might be, be able worth to... a hot meal and a safe bed, exactly. Yeah, uh, for one night. And and again, the idea that you know, when it comes to entertainment as a talent, uh, if the world is safe enough for people to move in, uh, then there's going to be this pressure on entertainers to move because people are going to get tired of their shtick. If you only know six songs or two chords, you know, three chords if three chords if you're one of those fruity jazz bands. You know, but let's say you know the whole three chords. You know, maybe you get to stay a, a week. You know, before you have to move on to the next place. So uh, the idea that you know, uh, uh, the idea that sort of, of that there's a professional class of people who are entertaining who are uh, stay on the move uh, in an area so they can keep changing up their their material, getting new material, whatever. I, I get that. I mean, do we also? I mean. One other thing I want to throw out is just, you said distractions, right? And Mike, yeah. you're absolutely right about the music because, I mean, I think before the phonograph, there's a piano in every house because if you don't have a musical instrument in the house, there's no fucking music. That's it. Right. You've got humming, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, unless you, the idea of staging um, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, how many fucking assholes are there plus the chorus? I mean... You know, it's kind of huge. Uh, uh, so well, well, but, they, well you, but then you'd get more into more of the Baroque era stuff, like you know, the concerto, like the smaller, like yeah, uh, string quartet. String yeah. quartet. Well, what if strings survive? But you know, those kind of, you know, like you know, the harpsichord piano, like that. Like Bach was big. You know, he did a lot of the small, small stuff. You know, like small string quartets. Um, you know, right, something you know. that doesn't require an opera house, but requires merely a music room well, and, in a, in a, a relatively precedent. rich person's house. There is a precedent for that uh, in America. You know the the you know sort of um, uh, bluegrass quartet. Uh, I mean, you've got uh, a musical tradition, and once again, just go back 140 years. Go back to before any sort of phonographs or electronics at all, and you can really just see. I think what things would would uh, very likely go back to pretty quickly. Yeah, um, yeah, because because there's going to be enough people surviving who have it. Because I mean, you figure how many people out there have some kind of like they took a guitar, they took violin. Like even I mean, I don't remember. I took violin in fourth and fifth grade. I couldn't do a fucking thing on it. But so many people took some level. Like so there's a lot of people who could sing. I mean, everybody thinks they could sing now because everybody thinks they're American Idol. But there are actually just regular everyday people who don't have careers in the music industry, but they could actually sing. And there's people. There's so many people with garage bands who could just they could play the guitar. They could beat on the drums. So there's enough people out there who could tap into that, who have at least a rudimentary knowledge, and if they just keep on doing it, they're just going to get better and better. So there is a there is a pool out there, and like like Mike again had said, 
it's going to become more prevalent, you know, because, you know, besides looking for bullets and ammo, eventually they're going to be looking for, hey, look, we found some guitar strings for that guitar, you know, because they broke or, you know, things like that. You know, yeah, it's going to be a while before drum. we manufacture some new guitar strings. Yeah. Um, but uh, amongst your other distractions, I want to point out booze, of course. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, North, America, North America, we're going to be a washing pot as, as entertainment. You know, because it grows everywhere in North America. I, well, I is, it, is it all right? Well, okay. Well, booze uh, and are intoxicants entertainment for these purposes? I guess we yeah. can classify them as such. Sure. Well, yeah, we could. You know, people are gonna have a party, have a drink, but in general, people are gonna drink themselves into a stupor because they don't want to deal with reality and do find the drugs and the medications Agreed. and the pot. It, it's. I think it's less of entertainment, more of a, more of an escape. Because they can't uh, right, be right. It's sort of a, a prophylaxis kind of thing, too. Uh, going back to Scott's example of the Middle Ages, uh, during the Middle Ages in Europe, the average person, children included, drank a gallon of weak beer a day. So this is like three, two beer. But people drank about a gallon of beer a day, and the re wow. they drank it continuously. And they did that for two reasons. One, there were no painkillers. So, you know, if, if you worked in fields or you worked in manual labor, you couldn't take an aspirin. Uh, so people were constantly drinking, you know, this weak beer just to keep their bodies anesthetized a little bit. And they didn't have to worry about water purity problems. So I, I, th I think Scott's absolutely right. People are probably going to be uh, sort of staying inebriated just to take the edge off a of shitty reality. Look at all the people who stay uh, inebriated in our pre-apocalyptic Reality. Oh yeah. Well, how many people? That much more important after it. Oh, look how many people now are freaking you know stoned all the time or drunk all the, you know. It's like I, I've known so many people in my life where all they they fucking smoked pot nonstop all no, day. We constantly. all know that guy, right? Huh? We all know that wake and bake guy. We, we do. <laughs> well, um, my, my uh, you know Scott knows who I'm talking about. You know the rinky dink potheads who you know I used to hang out with. They were great guys. Don't get me wrong. But they were constantly smoking weed. Can I just point out that I, I've always loved the term rinky-dink. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I knew what the origin of that was. Anyways, um, the other things I would throw out is we, we, you said prophylaxis, so let's go straight to prostitution. Does that count as, <laughs> does that count as entertainment in the post-apocalypse? Uh, um, yeah, sure, right, to, on some level. Oh well, maybe maybe that will go along with because you know you're gonna have well if we're gonna do go that far you know if we're gonna roll sex into it it could that could be it could be more than just prostitution that's gonna be entertainment you know there could be a reemergence of the sex shows or burlesque maybe because again the individual the actors people kind of thing yeah you know uh, you know oh and hopefully there won't be a rise of you know the good old south of the border uh, you know donkey shows and things like that but again depending on where you're at depends if america's conquered by a race of mutant donkeys they could be mutant donkeys <laughs> i'm just saying cybernetic mutant donkeys <laughs> or you know cuz yeah cuz it could be well you know like in uh, what was it um uh south south africa district Hel 9 i was yeah. going to say hell comes to frog town but all right well, well, the hell comes to Frogtown, District 9, you know, prostitution was there, but again, was that it? Well, you know, it was probably more, enter the pro that prostitution was probably more entertaining for the people who were, you know, selling the women for prostitution to the aliens to be able to watch and experience. That was probably more entertaining for the people so, who were so you're going selling for, the people. Um, you're going for Cafe Flesh, then. 
that's and probably I, that's probably more of what it's going to be than just the crappy old uh, porno from the early '80s. There's a there's a crappy old porno from the early '80s called Cafe Flesh, where their their post-apocalyptic dystopia was since the population is impotent or frigid because of radiation. That that's their that's their their fucking entry point for a bunch of you know, sex going on on screen is that, <laughs> is that there's, like, one channel that broadcasts the last uh, people with sex drives on the planet to entertain the jaded, zombie-like, radiated population of post-apocalyptic North America. Yeah, that's how deep porn was in the 80s, kids. It's not oh. like today, where all you've got are five-second animated GIFs it's like the loop taken to the to its its logical extreme, uh, Scott. Right? Exactly. And, 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 what, and, what, and what you were talking about, Scott, made me think of um, the, the zombie doped up masses. Made me think of THX eleven thirty eight, where the workers just come back to the house, they take their pills, and they turn on the TV, and it's just like. Somebody beat somebody with a like a whip or a yeah that's right or yeah yeah you turn the turn on the TV one channel was a guy being beaten to death and the other channel was a <laughs> naked, a naked woman dancing that was it that's well, there's a lot of that in Brave New World too keep in mind if you want to go back to some literary roots uh, uh, there please keep in mind Aldous Huxley he had a lot of personal experience with drugs remember he also wrote, wrote Gateways of Perception so he yeah. was doing a lot of LSD around the time that. Uh, he wrote Brave New World, uh, and his populace uh, was uh, kept in check by being regularly medicated with psychotropic drugs and by being exposed to these weird, cathartic kind of uh, spectacles that you're talking about. So uh, uh, really, uh, you know, uh, any of the movies that present that, to some extent, are really drawing on uh, Brave New World to some extent, I think. Yeah. Um, it was Soma. Wasn't that the, was that the name of the drug, Soma? It was Selma, exactly, which is uh, an ancient um, Hindu term for uh, a drink uh, made uh, with cannabis base. You mean like manna? No, manna, no, Selma was a was a, a term for uh, a drink made with uh, like 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 cannabis. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So it was uh, it was like a you know a narcotic type drink. Okay. Um, other entertain other entertainments, Mr. Wallace. Well, also speaking of again, back to the postman. Drugs or prostitution. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the speaking back of the horrible postman, like you saw when they had like their, you know, they had like um, at night they had gatherings. You know, they had like a dance and they had people playing music. So you would have like these mini festivals, like people getting together at night, just dancing and having a good time. Because again, you had a couple of the people, you know, yep. they found some drums and some uh, some acoustic guitars, and they were playing like you know classic songs from the 80s that they remembered or they remembered as much as they did about the songs playing those songs. So you might have things like that at like gatherings at night, just people just, well, just, just I, dance. I think you would. I think that would be the, the, the actual real norm, to, to be honest. Yeah. Not, not the least of which, because if we're talking post-apocalypse, the sun goes away, getting work done is not re really going to happen. Yeah. You're, you're done working. If you're still awake, maybe you manage to burn some calories and, and burn some of your, you know, whatever uh, extra you've ended up with at the end of the work week, you know, on uh, on a dance or some noise. And I, and I will point out that um, uh, other things I wanted to throw out in possible sources of entertainment, 
Religion. Uh, boy, they like to sing and they like some music in any number of religious uh, right. uh, activities. Yeah. Religion, yeah. I think, would be a big source of entertainment. It's a show, you know. It's a show with some talk and some songs and you know. Right, right. Sing, you know. Uh, and if it's and if it's some Pentecostal stuff, they're you know, it get all Shaker and Quaker. And what's more entertaining than being ridden by the Loa. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean ridden by the Loa. I mean touched by the Spirit of God. <laughs> you're not being ridden by the Loa. Oh, yeah, but but you're right because you, you, you look at those churches and they're, they're singing, they're dancing, they're clapping, they're having a great time. And you know what? You could do what you don't, you don't need Netflix or any of that. They just do it all just, you know, by candlelight or whatever light they have. Again, depending, you know, we go back to power source in the apocalypse. If they have any power, if they have their candles, if they have their... You know, they're hooked up to the solar, whatever, you know, but you're right. As dusk falls, especially, you know, with power, they're going to conserve it as much as possible if they have it. So there's not going to be a whole lot going on. You know, maybe, like, just light some bonfires, people dancing around, music, you know, singing, praising, whatever the case may be. So I think Mike's right. A lot of that's probably going to be more the norm than, you know, Thunderdome, you know. You, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you, will get, you will get that, again, especially at the gate. I don't dispute that. Here's, here's where I'm going to suggest Thunderdome's going to come up. Thunderdome's going to come up uh, not as a direct form of entertainment, but it is going to show up in that um, that sort of side line of entertainment, law enforcement and justice. That when, you know, the public hanging was what everybody went to in the Wild West town because, again, right. there's nothing on CNBC the internet's down, so you go to watch some guy do the dance at the end of the, you know, the hemp drop, you know. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, one of the problems is, is that people have a tendency to get nasty when they're allowed to be imaginative about hurting other folks. It doesn't take a lot of brains to get imaginative about being mean. Uh, I can imagine any number of, of terrible punishments designed to, you know, deter repeat offenders. That would be public. The public uh, floggings, uh, pillory, you know, the, the well, whole... And, and honestly, as much as punishments, uh, I could see spectacles like that being used by local strongmen, local warlords, to consolidate power. I mean, keep in mind, one of the biggest uh, forms of entertainment uh, during the French Revolution, during the terror that followed the French Revolution were these huge uh, uh, spectacles uh, in uh, Place de Revolution uh, where uh, thousands of people would come out to see people have their heads cut off uh, by, by guillotine. Those were uh, entertainment spectacles of exactly the sort that you're describing. Yeah. But, but they weren't pure entertainment. They were also meant to consolidate power for the government. Yes, they're supposed they were to, show you to, to direct people's uh, anger and their emotions and to control them. Uh, so, so I can see as much as anything, not just justice being dispensed, but uh, terror uh, and punishment being used um, uh, for uh, purposes of, of consolidating power or marginalizing certain peoples, uh, pleasing others, whatever. But not just the punishment aspect, which is sort of the uh, very obvious, you but know, the spectacle aspect. Spectacle aspect. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I also so, think the actual trials. Yes. The actual be, trial sure. where this community gets together and they watch what's mm -hmm. happening. Um, I keep thinking of the trial, and I don't know why I've been thinking because we just lost Harper Lee. I've been thinking about that trial 
that uh, where Atticus Vince defends the guy in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, or the Scopes Salem, Salem, Trial. Salem Witch Trials, you know, Sa anything oh, like that. Oh, that's a good one, Mr. Wallace. Yep. The Salem Witch Trials is a really good one, because it is way too much about entertainment. Um, and even moving closer to modern times in Nazi Germany, you know, so from the period like 1933 right up to the end of the war, uh, the Nazis ran what they called people's courts. Uh, and they would have a tribunal uh, that would have, you know, Nazi party judges who would have some person brought before them and they would berate them and insult them. And this was done so that a big crowd could watch this and get really, really whipped up watching the power of the state being used to grind down one person who would then be uh, punished in some way. So the Nazi people's courts are, uh, you know, probably close to a lot of what we're talking about, too. It reminds me of, my, yeah, some of the, what you're talking about, the, the spectacle showing the state's power and showing the state's, uh, uh, you know, ruthlessness and, you know, and getting the crowd whipped up to hate the target. That's that's very much your two minutes of hate you get. You know, it's, it's your Orwellian two minutes of hate. It's right, your, right. It's your right, death exactly, exactly so. Exactly so. It's your right. death of America chant at the, in Iran, uh, you know. Yes. Um, right. Right. It's really, I mean, really, this is the same phenomena again and again and again. It's just a matter, it, the, the details change, uh, but really the, the uh, uh, on a macroscopic level, it's they're identical from uh, time to time and place to place. But we haven't mentioned, one thing we haven't mentioned uh, is sports yet. No, and, you're right. And uh, the moment I mention, think of sports, uh, the other thing I want to get into is gambling. Yes. That okay. um, I imagine, you know, that, uh, and what I loved about Thunderdome is that there was an aspect of gambling to the law system because they, you know, break, break a deal, spin the wheel, and suddenly it's, you know, like, um, uh, you, uh, the price is right, except... Right. You know, the punishment is wrong, or whatever the... Whatever the oh, yeah. It could be an aspect of any of these things that we've already talked about, too, couldn't it? Gambling, yes, yes, absolutely. But, 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 also, but also gambling, even just the basic playing cards. Playing like, craps. I, because craps, card, you know, people, you could easily carve dice out of wood. You know, yeah. they might not be perfect. You could carve it. Uh, playing cards, oh, you can make that your means, own. That order. means RPGs will live forever as long as we can carve our, yeah, 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 yes. our polyhedrons <laughs> out, of, out of so much wood. Oh, that's going to be great. Because, you know, <laughs> especially playing poker, playing blackjack, whatever the case may be, there are so many decks of cards out there. I probably have at least two within arm's length of me right here in the office, just yeah. within easy yeah. reach, you know. Right, exactly. You know, and, and so. Decks are, decks are easy to make. I mean, I can see somebody carving all you know, hand drawing decks, which like they did, you know, to create their own uh, decks afterwards. You know, exactly. So and, yep. I, and like yeah, the RPGs. You know what? I, I guess you know because now now that apparently you know, and I, and I'm not gonna get on the I'm not gonna get on the soapbox, but apparently with the resurgence of how geek culture is now popular culture, which people are deluded in thinking that's uh, the common thing now. But anyway, it's just more polarized and probably within our set. They went but, down uh, in the trenches with us, Jared. No, 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 but they're, they're making it out to be like, oh, geek culture is, is popular <laughs> culture, regular culture. Dude, you, you, you pick any ten random people on the street, and they're not, you know, they're not, you know, not even, not even a third, maybe a third of them might be, might be nerds or geeks. But anyway, but... Right. But if you get people who survive who are into the gaming, or you get like some kind of you know 
you know, enclave of, uh, you know, nerds together, our role-playing games might actually be a source of entertainment because, again, it's a form of escapism, imagination. Yep. You're putting yourself in a different place. You know, when you're grinding yourself, you know, hand, you know, tilling the fields and stuff all day, well, you might be too tired to do anything, but you want to escape, and maybe you don't have all the drugs and alcohol and weed you we were talking about. People might do some kind of role-playing, you well, know. Well, our, our, our RPGs yeah. are just, you know, interactive storytelling with a with a, with an, uh, a randomized mechanic. So Precisely so. It's really, it's dirt cheap. Oh, my yeah. God, is it dirt cheap. Or, um, it might, or it might just be even be more of like a once upon a time kind of thing where it's just really yeah. kind of story-based telling. If like, whoa, you know, you go to the, okay, the you, you go to the mall. Tell us what happened at the mall, you know, kind of creating their own scenario. No, so the, fantasy, the fantasy world is showing up to your job working nine to five and then getting a <laughs> That's the fantasy world that everyone goes to in their role-playing game. A skirmish you're publishing in the, in, the, in the future will be publishing the pre-apocalyptic role-playing game. That's right. Yeah. Get into your hybrid car and drive to the mall and shop. Have, a, have an Orange Julius. T-shirts. Oh, my God. Is it possible? Did anyone ever really own 100 T-shirts? <laughs> Oh, that's that's an ugly future, sir. That's an ugly <laughs> so, 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 what do we call the game? You know, like what is it like? You know, bosses and you know, I don't know. <laughs> um. Uh. Okay. It'll be. Uh. It'll be something like. Um. Uh. <clears throat> uh Accountants uh, and. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna try to go with something like. Uh, um. Uh. uh paychecks and uh, pay stubs or something. I don't know. It'd be something, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Um. Cubicles. Malls and soccer moms. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It's like okay, the DM's like, well, you, you forgot, you forgot to button the top button in your tie. Your boss fires you. Oh, you know whatever. <laughs> oh, I, I, I hate make, that DM. He's make the guy a charisma who... check. Go ahead and make a charisma check. Yeah, that's the oh, boss. Man, you don't say... one. All right. Well, he starts hitting you with a three-hole punch. A three-hole punch. What is that? Oh, it's a new exotic weapon. I stand it up. <laughs> Let me tell you all about it. It's it's one d four plus hole damage, you know. <laughs> so uh, uh, I want to throw out. He's gonna sports. summon an HR specialist. Ooh. Oh! Oh! Well, that must be a that must be a necromancer here or something. <laughs> but, uh, Mike, Mike, that's your next golden idea. You need to come up with the post-apocalyptic pre pre <laughs> right. post-apocalyptic pre-apocalyptic role-playing game. Yeah. Um, I am completely in favor. As seen from the future. I, I say Kickstarter awaits, sir. Kickstarter awaits. I've looked into the future, and I've seen the game people will be playing 50 years from now after society has collapsed. Yeah. That's yeah. gold. That's a license to print money as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I will support it fully. <laughs> I, I, I want to know what they're what the people in the post apocalypse are going to do when they in, in this game when they you know one of the encounters is to have an argument online with an anti vaxxer <laughs> <laughs> where they're like first of all you're having an argument with a box and no, they were a weird type of cult they lived back then they didn't want to protect themselves against diseases they wanted to get polio crazy there was never any such thing. 
Pentagon, they're never going to believe there was somebody you who wanted to. you got to make this shit at least believable, all right? <laughs> well, yeah, that, you, that's... You, you, get, you get into the line at the grocery store, <laughs> but you see the next line is moving faster. Do you stay in your line or move? I'm going to move it to the other line. Now the other line is moving. Oh, come on, that's bullshit! You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How is this possible? Even the tabloids. Make a saving throw to, to resist reading the headlines on them. Oh, damn it, I failed. Oh, that's like a negative Ooh. Oh, roll to resist click. You lose a point of wisdom. Oh, man. I'm sorry, you read about the Kardashians. You lose a point of wisdom. <laughs> Permanent intelligent point. <laughs> um, hold on, I want to go back to... I don't know, all right, gambling is something that's going to happen to everybody. Yeah, because, because it's easy. Uh, it's cheap, dice, you know... Uh, you know, gambling's going to happen all the time. Uh, but I wanted to point out, you know, that it's relation to sports. Um, obviously, horse racing, foot racing, any kind of contest, the caber yep. toss, right, where you fucking throw a tree, you know, <laughs> that's the Scottish national pastime. Yeah. Uh, anything, anything easy, anything easy like that, you know, maybe yeah. even rugby. You know, might be able to you know, come back because that's an easy here. You just have some object to pass around. You yeah, know? stick ball. You know, we'll be right. playing that football without uh, pads, okay? But since no one lives past forty, nobody will care. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but yeah, all the old sports will still be remembered. Yeah. You know, they'll still be trying to kick a soccer ball around post-apocalyptic Africa or South America or Europe. You know, all they need to know is how many paces is the field long and wide, and can you draw the, the the lines on the ground, the offsides with a, a stick in the in the dirt? And if you got a ball, you're in good shape. Um, hopefully, it won't turn into that Mayan ball game. It won't retrograde in South America, where they're killing the team that loses or whatever. But I, yeah, they would kill the team that won. Uh, yes, <laughs> even worse. Um, but then I think of you know uh, what was that movie with uh, Ruka Hauer, Blood of Heroes? Wasn't that a post-apocalyptic? Sports extravaganza. Yeah, yeah. Who else was in that? Was it Joan Chen? Yes. And... Mm -hmm. Yep. It's, it's Joan Chen and Haru, the two I remember. Came Which out in like 1989 or thereabouts. Which film? Blood of Heroes. Okay, okay. Blood of Heroes was a, a post-apocalyptic sport that involved, what, sticking a dog skull on a post at the other team's but it was like it was like rugby. It was like rugby with five people on each team, I think. Yeah. And it was really brutal, like losing a player and having to replace them was like a plot point that came up. Yeah, because somebody's gotten an injury and they're that's it. They're done. That's right. You know, well, all, also, manager isn't their manager a guy who has like some elaborate leg brace on, but he can't play anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's something like that going on as well. But you know, sports there's, is going to be it, it, sports is the kind of thing that you know. Uh, first of all, it's it's real easy. It's it's something for it's particularly important entertainment for children. Um, oh yes. Uh, not only does it create physical fitness and uh, uh, you know some eye hand coordination, all things you're going to need to stay away from the fleshy headed mutants uh, in the post apocalyptic landscape. But you know, team, uh, you work together as a team. Uh, that's going to be important when the Raiders show up and you need to take orders and fend off, you know, the next, you know, fend off the uh, fleshy-headed mutants. Um, now, sports is a, you know, sports be a big deal. Uh, 
the problem being with it, um, injuries, of course, but that gets us into our medical thing. Um, you get you get a spiral fracture playing uh, rugby, and you're done. You are now the gimpy guy who's who who pick who 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 tills his fields very slowly. And what and Mike, what 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 was the movie in the game? We've talked about this one before. Quintet. Thank you. Oh, Quintet. Quintet. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. And that was interesting. I mean, uh, that was kind of a fun game. As a matter of fact, I've got for anyone who's interested, I've got the rules for Quintet posted to uh, my online game magazine. So uh, I tracked them down. This movie's from when? Like 1980. It was a Paul Newman post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie. So it was, that it was, this city that's encased in ice and dying. And people entertain themselves by playing this game called Quintet, where you have five markers. Uh, it's kind of a complicated game. Uh, it's like a board game. Uh, but then they took it up to the next level, and if you lost the game, somebody would then try to assassinate you. <laughs> so... Well, I thought it was uh, like they, was, they took the game and played it with people instead that's of markers. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and but, uh, so there's an actual pawn and an actual king and an actual exactly, knight. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I've got the rules for that at dinfinity online. D dash infinity. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, and you know what? You're right. Games. I never. I, I, I just said chess, and I think checkers. Exactly. Chess, really, checkers, backgammon, any of those. Yeah, uh, oh, all yeah. those. Sure. You know, Checkers, checkers being the easiest because you just, you know, you don't even need to distinguish the different shapes of the of the items, you know, of the, of the pieces, really. There's well, stories about something like a Pachisi type game too, which isn't really uh, an American game. It's more of like a South Asian game. But uh, you know, keep in mind, people will end up coming up with their own games too. Oh, I'm sure. Well, also, think, che 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 think che checkers is easy because you can just use all that currency that's totally useless now because it's <laughs> nice <laughs> circular, you know? <laughs> well, you can use domars as uh, checkers, can't you? Domars are stupid. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes, here... you In fact, like, that's what I want to see in a, in a fucking game world setting is you come up and there's the old men at the, at the you know, village store out front on the... On the <laughs> on the front veranda playing checkers using a bunch of thousand Dumar pieces because <laughs> in the future we have coins. Plastic coins. Plastic uh, coins. Um, <laughs> don't get me started. Don't get me started. But anyway, um, um, I, let me just point this out. I watched... Yeah, sorry, uh, little, I, sorry, I shouldn't have brought up Dumar. I, I watched the uh, 1950s uh, Day the Earth Stood Still and there's a part where Mr. Carpenter, the alien... Uh, tells the kid, well, I don't have any money. Will these do? And he reaches into his diamond. pocket. He's got diamonds. And my first thought is, <laughs> those are worth some. First of all, oh, great. You guys still have fucking hard currency. But number two, how are those worth anything? They're fucking diamonds. Is De Beers hoarding diamonds <laughs> on planet, dude? Do they have a fucking diamond monopoly to create an artificial scarcity of fucking diamonds? Well... Maybe. It's carbon. It's carbon. It's the well, most common. A good point, which is uh, cultural bias. Uh, and I don't know that that's part of this discussion, but that's what it is. It's cultural bias. And it's hard to get past one's own fundamental assumptions. We understand diamonds are valuable because we say diamonds are valuable. But you're exactly right. Unless you were trading with someone who needed to cut glass or etch tungsten or, or something like that. 
Yeah. Well, maybe, well, Scott, maybe they observed the planet because they did come to Warner's and saw that we value these precious shiny things. So they Well, sadly, he, now if he, that was the case, that have been great. But sadly, he actually goes, "Oh, this is what we use," and I'm like, <laughs> "It wasn't like I hear you, primitive fuckheads, like shiny shit." I mean, that would have been fun. <laughs> Are they so sensitive that they can tell carrot weight just by holding the damn thing? No, no, no. Sadly, no. He just <laughs> he like trades. Can the tell kid. clarity? Here, well, Jimmy, he, check the clarity on this for me. Yeah, apparently Jimmy the kid like immediately <laughs> Manhattan's him and says, "Sure, I'll give you five dollars. It's got a." Mrs. Jones over at the boarding house loves that kind of clarity in her diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, where were we? We got on the diamonds. All right, we got on the Domars and, and checkers. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I, I, I got another thing of entertainment which we didn't talk about. Oh, we no. talked about the traveling, you know, storytellers, possibly yeah. musicians, actors. What about a traveling? What about the? What about a small scale sideshow or circus? Oh yeah, yeah. You take yeah. your fleshy headed mutant, you put it in a cage, and people throw rocks at it. You know, for five for, for or, or not even just that, like more of the more of the modern freak shows, yeah. you know, which are which are more just people who you know eat fire, swallow swords, do contortions, and they travel around these little sideshows, like these little mini circuses, you know, because there's gonna be people who you know who, who might have these talents and they could travel around, you know, and get get no, people to I, pay, I, pay I totally, for them to pay I that totally stuff. buy that. I totally buy the idea that there would be uh, that there would be sideshows and carnivals and circuses and gypsies and all that kind of portable entertainment. Again, because otherwise, if they stick around long enough, their shit gets old. Well, not so their shtick, you know, their their cons get they, people catch on to their cons and stuff like that. Yeah, because you're not gonna have like Barnum and Bailey, is because that's gonna take a lot of resources. But you might have like you know maybe some small cages and they might have some animals or you know. Oh yeah. That works. Well, that one of the totally. things that, that I wrote up for uh, uh, my fantasy campaign setting that I published, I published uh, a campaign called the Swords of Coast Fantasy Campaign Setting, and one of the things I wrote up is a sideshow. It's a traveling sideshow, uh, and it uh, travels around from village to village and city to city, and the show that they put on, the spectacle that they put on, is about the pre-apocalyptic world. I mean, that's actually what I've got written up in my campaign setting. There was an apocalypse 100 years before, and their their show is about the wonder. It's called Wonders of Thera, and it's all about the wonderful things that existed 100 years before. You know, uh, so they'll have, like, like shadow puppets that show flying ships, uh, and they'll show skylines of the cities that used to exist. So I can really see that, too. You know, oh, someone yeah. playing up the whole idea of the wonders of the past, the pre-cataclysmic world. Look at these images. You know, even if they had rudimentary way to project an image, uh, they could do it really impress people in you know little you know hundred-person villages that they were traveling around. To. Are, are, are they are they going to be like in uh, Beyond Thunderdome where they have like you know the 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 front of the TV on the stick and they're pretending to talk? That, that, was, that was one of my favorite bits. Is the, the framing device for the cave paintings is a goddamn TV. That they hold up to each picture. Yeah, that was, that's that was exactly what I think of when Mike tells me that. They're showing about, you know, you know, the sky, the sky, the the sky planes. Right. And, yeah. No. But I, I, I mean, I think, I think that's the kind. Yeah. You know, people love nostalgia today, and we don't have anything in the last century or two centuries as dramatic as, as a, you know, an apocalypse. 
so I, I can see that being like a thing. Uh, you know, and if it happened within the lives of even some people who were still alive, you could see them saying, you know, to their kids or grandkids, yeah, that's really what it was like. Oh, yeah, I remember. I've been telling you that. He never believed me. But listen, you know, they're telling you now, too. That's what it was really like back then. Um, I want to point out that when you said rudimentary ways of projecting, um, I've got a book over here called, uh, it was a travel log written in the 20s called Hot Countries. And it was just this guy going around visiting various places. And he's got this one story about going to Tahiti. And this idea that he's going to go to Tahiti and Tahiti's going to be this ideal, idyllic, uh, bucolic, pastoral, you know, half-naked women uh, blowing, right. blowing in conch shells on the beach with swimming and, you know, lazy luau's. And he gets there, and of course that's what all the Europeans want, but the islanders want to, you know, drive around, they want to ride around in cars and go to the movie theater. <laughs> right. um, and there's a movie theater, and he's sort of horrified that he gets to Tahiti, and there's a there's a freaking movie theater in Tahiti. And what the, the, <laughs> the thing that, that sort of stood out in the movie theater was, this story was, yeah, there's a guy with a megaphone just up at the front who's reading off the English or French or whatever subtitles, translating them, and there's a full live band playing because it's a silent <laughs> Movie, right? So there's a, a full band, and a guy reading off the subtitles. But the guy, uh, but the the American goes and he sits down and he looks at this stuff and he quickly realizes that the reels that they're showing on the screen are not only not in order, but from different movies. <laughs> they just randomly show it. Yeah, and that the locals don't give a shit because it's a fucking movie. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's so technologically <laughs> ahead of them. They're like, whatever, I, you know. Yeah, okay, so suddenly, you know, uh, uh, Buster Keaton turned into a fat guy and a little guy, and now they're standing right. Oliver Hardy. Who cares? We don't care, you know? Well, yeah, yeah, because you're right, because people may be cobbling together what's left, because we'll look at, uh, go back to um, A Boy and His Dog, where yeah. they have a they, they, they're, they have a generator, and people pay in food to sit, you know, and watch a, watch a movie. They found a movie reel, you know, well, so well, you might well, stuff like that. What I like about this is that if they get the movies like all mashed up, you know, with like you start with one reel and you end with the other, you can actually have films like, uh, and this is one of my favorites because it has the same actor, uh, All That Jaws, where it starts off where he's trying, <laughs> Roy Schneider's trying to plan a, oh, a, Jaws. a, a Broadway musical, uh, and then suddenly a shark attacks. You know, <laughs> and he's on a boat fighting off this shark that's trying to eat the musical, I guess. So that one works for me very well, but you could you could end up with these mashups like uh, My Left Footloose right. or uh, Gandhi in 60 Seconds, you know, because they're, they're just slapping various various reels together. But what would be hilarious if they slap reels together that are, like you said, the same actors, like just these from different movies. Like, you know, you get people who are like in every movie and you get like a Kevin Bacon or something, you know, yeah. who's just in all these movies, you know. But then again, we're thinking the apocalypse, and we're thinking that oh yeah, all these movie reels are going to be around, whereas everything's now digital download DVDs, things like that. So, so instead so of stir, there's, there, there's less film than there used to be. So instead of stir of echoes, it'll be stir of footloose tremors, you know, right. just yeah. for for all your Kevin Bacon needs. Stir of footloose tremors. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's dancing to save the small town, and then monsters attack right in the middle of a ghost story. It's gonna be it's gonna be fabulous. Well, you know, you know or, or if you want to, like, make movies and entertainment, 
you know, in our pop culture, something that people find archaeologically in a gamma world-like setting, where you go back and, you know, they're trying to decipher our, comp our, 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 our culture based on Three's Company, you know, right. or, or, or The Love Boat, <laughs> you know. Um, that's kind of hilarious in and of itself. I, we could probably riff on that for a while, but... Um, but, but, the, but, but, but what's interesting, a lot of what we're talking about um, is definitely, a lot of this stuff is, you know, is going to fall into the realm of after the collapse, like we said, it's kind of settled down. Like we've we've had we've had the apocalypse, we've had you know the transition period, and you know things haven't built necessarily built up to these you know a new society, but things have settled, things have kind of stabilized. Where a lot of those kind of things, like you know the traveling minstrels, the the sideshow, you know, things like we've established a cord in the pen. A lot of that's going to be where there has to be some kind of stability and organization left. Yeah. It can't be the. Uh -huh. the it can't be that's the right. right after it happens. You know. Well, yeah, exactly right. You, you can get that in. Yeah, you can get that in uh, uh, Jeremiah, or you can get that in um, the Postman. You can't get that in um, the Cormac McCarthy one. What's it called with uh, Viggo Mortensen? The Road. Yeah, you can't get that in the road. There's no right. entertainment. There's just cannibalism and rape. Right, right. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order, but, you know. Now, now, now it's, it's funny, just going back a step to uh, the idea of uh, all that Jaws, sort of um, a bunch of random, a bunch of random uh, stuff just jammed together. Okay, believe it or not, funny you should mention this, and I just remembered it and I looked it up to make sure that I had it right, there is, in fact, a post-apocalyptic movie, a post-apocalyptic movie that's like footage from eight different movies that's just been cobbled together. And I watched this years ago, and I was so damn confused because I could not figure out what was going on. And then I finally realized it was just random shit just stitched together. It's a real movie. People can check it out. It's Star Quest II. If you check out Star Quest II, you will see that it is footage from maybe eight different films uh, many of them filmed at different times. Part of it is people driving around in a post-apocalyptic wasteland in 1970s-era cars. Part of it is people up on a space station. Uh, a lot of gratuitous sex. Uh, a lot of gratuitous violence. Uh, but just completely random shit from beginning to end. So Star Quest II, it is actually the real-world example of what you are describing, Scott. <laughs> now, was that, now, was that the 1996 with... Uh... Adam Baldwin, Robert. That is uh, the Adam Baldwin one. Yes. Yes. Wow. So. And note to the ladies, he looks pretty good in that one. <laughs> Assuming wow. any ladies actually watch this fucking show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're I think we're lagging in some demographics. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, well, 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 well. It's, it's a sausage. It's a sausage fest here on. on the podcast. I love sausage fest. Is this Vienna sausage fest? Hey, speak for yourself. We're talking. <laughs> he's, uh, I, I, think he's, I think he's doing a metalocalypse there. Um, Thank you, Jared. Um, <laughs> he's um, totally missed the metalocalypse. That's he, he was doing. He was he was doing a, he was doing a metal. I picked up on that one. <laughs> but um, you know, it's definitely like I've always I always said in the past, and it's not as it's not as uh, true as it was in the past, but. Uh, you know, generally, you know, like I said, 
the gaming and a pot. It's definitely a male-dominated sport. It's uh, not that you know we're not misogynist. We don't like women. It's just that it's just a, you know there are I think still at this time there are more men into this than, than women. There's a lot more women than there ever was, and there's and it's growing and growing. But I think it's still male-dominant. You know, well, not as dominated as it used to be. I say on my show, misogyny is—is is that even a real word? That doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> I don't even know. You're just now. You're just randomly stringing together syllables, Jared. <laughs> are, you uh. at, are you looking to increase our mail? Is that what you're doing there, Mike? <laughs> the views of the Verhulenator do not necessarily represent those of Podcast like Ground the Zero. Standards of the Podcast Ground Zero. Yeah. Yeah. This uh. is this is this is coming from the guy who was uh who was creeping on twelve year old Farusa Balk. A few episodes back, yeah, that's when she was in. Um, <laughs> oh, I forgot about hot. that. Well, I said something about that, and just and then what happened was, is what you couldn't see is that I went and I looked, you know, on IMDb. Like, it's like, why is why is uh what's what, why is Thrasher giving me such a hard time with us? And I looked <laughs> and I actually saw how young Frusa Balk was when she made that movie, and I was like, ah, you know, holy shit, how do I back out of this? Too late. Too late. Creepy old dudes. That's all there is to that. So anyway, um, all right. So what else do we? I think we've covered really like a, a lot of the possibilities, a lot of the, a lot of a lot of realistic possibilities of what entertainment would be like in the apocalypse. Yeah, you did a good job on the show. We really covered actually a, a, a lot of ground. Uh, a lot of ground. And of course, you know, yeah. And I think you know, you may still have you know. Depending again, you know, maybe longer turn after, you know, like I said, films or people might cobble together, you know, some solar panels and save precious energy for like the Saturday night event where they use yeah. some of their precious power to maybe they found old movie discs. And you're gonna have some of the old technology stuff around for at least a little bit. You know, that's gonna that's gonna yeah. exist, but it's gonna be a lot smaller in scale because that's a resource uh, issue be right tough there. Preserving things like film because it it, it it falls apart very quickly. It only has a certain lifespan. And I think people will do that sort of stuff in conjunction with, like, trade fairs. I mean, going back to Scott's example once again of the Middle Ages, you would have regional trade fairs once a year. Uh, and people would all come together at one spot uh, to trade certain kinds of commodities coming from different areas. And you'd have all these different kinds of entertainments and other peripheral things all going on at the same time. So big entertainment spectacles, I think, are going to be done in conjunction with other things as well. Yeah, I want there to be a war between two villages because at one of these trade fairs, somebody trades, like, their copy of, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings for um, some Star Wars, and it turns out, like, episode <laughs> A New Hope, they're trading for Star Wars, and, it, and then, like, right during the trench, you know, you know, attack run. Like, there's a scratch in the disc. It's like those bastards. That'd be you hilarious. Know? A post-apocalyptic gang that run around with uh, with bats that have fluorescent paint painted on them, and they call them lightsabers. And they run I, around. What is this? The warriors? What are we gonna have? Are we gonna have the, <laughs> the baseball furies? The baseball, baseball furies, uh, like yeah, to the next right. level. And uh, there Two was like the, yeah. There, there, there was the. Um, the guys on like roller skates and overalls, and uh, is that where we're gonna? Is that you know, I, Jared, I want to point out that one of the uh, one of the warriors, I didn't realize this was uh, was Windows from the Thing. I'm not going with them. I ain't going with Windows. I ain't going. 
It turns out that actor was also in the thing of all possible, you know, weird uh, that is funny. I do not know that. Of course, James Ramar, he's probably the one that's done best out of that movie. Yes. Yes, he has. He's been in everything. Of course, he's been in some really, you know, terrible uh, 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 sort of micro-budget Christy movies about how tough it is in America to, to be Christian uh, lately. Oh, but, I didn't realize that. But, wow, you know, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. But yeah. apparently, you know, there's a paycheck, so you're an actor. You don't get picky. Um, one last thing that's also entertainment, but it's also sort of a weird brand of entertainment. I mean, I mentioned religion, but I also want to say we should mention politics. That when it comes to, like, coronations and royal weddings, that there is an enormous amount of public theater that goes, that goes along with that to placate the masses you know, if everyone gets to have a tankard of mead on the warlord's dime, right? At, Good point. At his, uh, uh, you know, daughter's wedding to the local, some other local warlord. You know, um, then that's maybe you know that that's part that is both entertainment and it's also good politics. Yep. Um, and so uh, I think that the idea of of politics as entertainment as a way to, you know, uh, as opposed to just merely crushing, merely being an administrator or a bureaucrat or crushing your, you know, your serfs, uh, that's going to be a big thing as well. Yep. Well, also, because we're talking about, you know, trade fairs and uh, actually I think of the apocalypse, because we're, if we're speaking about, you know, like, you know, the movie discs that people have because of the precious power they're using, like Lord of Rings and stuff, I think, you know, it may replace actual currency, and you could use it to trade for value as copies of mazes and monsters. Because I'm sure there's a lot of those around. Because nobody wanted them, they'll find they'll find like a giant like you know uh, you know like uh, you know garbage uh, dump full of like copies of mazes. Oh, and monsters. oh, my, 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 yeah. The, the the story I want to tell now, which I can't do because I think they've actually found it, is the guys who go searching for a treasure trove of old world technology, and all they end up doing is digging up. Those landfilled copies of the ET video game. No, no, no. They were purposely looking for that. Yeah, yeah. But they did. They actually did dig those. Haven't they discovered yep, the landfill? They, yeah, they, they did. They dug those up. So you know, I'm sure there's a landfill with Maze the Monster somewhere. You know. <laughs> or, 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 God forbid, uh, the landfill full of uh, Catcher in the Rye from some middle school or something. <laughs> the, the Bible for a New Age. Who is this J.D. Salinger? Did oh God! Ever not know he was a hack. Oh. Yeah, what, what I want is uh, yes, and then, then now the new instead of saying heretic, they'll go phony. Phonies, phonies. I actually, I actually have a uh, on the DVD rack downstairs. I actually have a copy of Bases and Monster. I think I like. I think I picked hey, it. Uh, Academy it, Award winner Tom Hanks hey. in. Mazes and Doesn't he like battle the Gorn from Star Trek at the Twin Towers? Or am I remembering this? Oh, I don't know, dude. I, I I bought it like probably like <laughs> ten years ago. It was in Walmart in like the bin. The bin. I think I got it for a dollar. For like a dollar, I was like, you know what? I'll pick this up for a dollar. I haven't watched it, but I have it. And so I can say I have Mazes and Monsters. I I I looked at the beginning of it. A million, you know, a few years ago, and the, the two things I recognized was Tom Hanks being twitchy, and that kid uh, who was in My Bodyguard and Meatballs with uh, Bill Murray, who's Christopher Makepeace. Christopher Makepeace turns up. If I remember correctly, he's the kid at the college 
uh, lunchroom who's wearing a World War One leather flying helmet and goggles while eating his mac and cheese or something. And I was like, yeah, that's the guy you want to start a conversation with. I think, I think that's... Uh, Mike, I think uh, one of your future episodes of D-Infinity Live is going to have to be on Maze of the Monsters. Yeah, I think so, because Will talks about that a lot. All I right, so I'll, right. I'm going to watch it. You got to be. You need to propose that to Will, and then invite me on that show so we yeah, can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, you're invited. I think I think we need to do that. Agreed. Right. Are and are you not entertained? Have we? Not are you not entertained? Yes, we were entertained. I hope every. Well, I hope everybody was entertained. Uh, we had a really good show. Uh, you know, a lot of good conversations. Mike Mike said we covered a lot a lot of the bases. I think we did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it was good to have, like I said, it was good. I, I knew I wanted Mike on the show because, you know, I know Mike was, you know, was kind of a little bit of a, you know, amateur historian, you know, wrote a lot of books, especially Civil War era. So I knew he would kind of have that knowledge base to kind of cover that stuff. So that's why I had Mike in mind uh, to, to join us for uh, this, this well, week's Well, technically uh, I'm a professional historian because they sell those damn books. Okay, no. oh, they, they do? Okay, then you're a professional. I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Have you made money off a book about history? You're officially a professional historian. I can see a lot of money, Scott, all right? That is, it is not the amount. Was there money? Look, I can, I didn't oh, get a lot of time. I didn't get a lot of money on my first trick, advanced. but I can still call myself a professional, okay? Exactly. You're still a so, professional. So that's going to be it for this week, folks, for Entertainment in the Apocalypse. Uh... Uh, like I said, we have a couple things, uh, like I said, lined up for the future. Uh, Scott's still trying to get get a hold of the creator for Twilight 2000. We want to do an interview with him. I haven't heard back uh, from Frank Chadwick, but darn it, you know. Well, we eventually, eventually, that's but that's on the that's on our that's on our radar. We'd like to try to do that. Uh, like I said, we're also we're gonna do we're gonna do a show about Lucifer's Hammer, uh, for sure. Hammer that, You know, uh, ha well, from the book Hammer Fever. So, um, hammer fever. I like oh, yeah. that. Hammer fever. Everyone's so gonna, got it. Catch some. So, so <laughs> we're gonna do that. So Scott, you got to brush up on your Lucifer's hammer. So we're gonna do that. And then Mike had the good idea about uh, about politics uh, in the apocalypse. So that's uh, that's something that's gonna go on the radar too. And we're gonna invite you back for uh, for politics in the apocalypse, Mike, because you brought up the idea. So I'd be honored. Thank you. We're gonna. We're gonna I just have to say this. Everyone's seen the guy who dressed up as uh, Immortan Joe, except with the Trump hair and the suit. It really works. It's it's really kind of it's really kind of perfect. No, I haven't seen that one. So it's a, making yeah. the wasteland great again. <laughs> making he's, he's gonna he's gonna make a wasteland, so that's why it'll be great. So. <laughs> All right, folks. That's it for us this week. I said we got some shows coming up. You know, we'll have our show. You know, we'll uh, we, we we got two in this month. Like like I always like to do. You know, uh, they weren't two weeks apart, but we got two in in the month. So, and we'll get two in in March. You know, we'll probably have a show in about two weeks or so. So uh, that's going to be it for this week, folks. Um, again, you know, uh, look for our future shows. As we know it, there we will post them. And like I always say, please be socially responsible. If you like the show and you watch it on the YouTube channel, you know, please subscribe to the channel. Like the stuff you like, you know. Post comments, things like that. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. You know, again, be socially responsible. You know, share with your friends, all that kind of good stuff. So, this is me, Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace. He is Adam Spot, uh, Adam Bomb Glancy. I'm talking. I'm, I'm all talked out tonight. And 
Michael, still to be determined what his apocalypse name for Hull is going to be. I'm still going to think about that. I'm going to try to come up with something good for that one. I think O's, O stands for Ozone. Maybe Michael Ozone. <laughs> we can use that. Ozone. Uh, I'll, th- I'll, I'll work on that one. I'll think of something. We'll have something for next time. So, so we want to thank you all for uh, joining us tonight, and we will see you in the wastelands, folks. Thank you, and good night.